books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. And this is Andrew. Well, hello, fellas. What's up? I had the most bizarre dream this week. Were there demons? Demon I, ghosts? And there were there were no demons. Now, <laughs> did any of you guys watch Leverage? Yes. Okay, yeah. so in my dream, there is this huge concert coming up, and it's going to be a Bruce Springsteen concert. <laughs> it's going to be a Bruce Springsteen concert, and I'm sitting around with my with my buddies, and you know we're just talking about going to the concert, what good seats we're going to have, and the next thing you know, I pop off with, you know what we're going to do? We're going to steal the concert, and so it turns <laughs> into this whole leverage heist scam thing, you know, big caper kind of dream, and Bruce Springsteen winds up being in on it. It was just all very weird. How do you steal a concert? Watch watch an episode of Watch Leverage. Leverage. Yeah, really. <laughs> and I was really hoping it was Return to the Creepy House in Cape Cod Manor. No, no. I'm sorry, but it was it was pretty bizarre. We have to steal a poker game. Okay, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah, uh, Aaron, I'm I'm a little pissed at you. Why? What did I do? Well, we started this podcast together, did we not? We did. So Allegedly. why is it that I'm not making? <laughs> Allegedly. So why is it that I'm not making any money off of this podcast while you bask in the riches? Because I am I am the creator. <laughs> but I'm the talent. Nah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. designed this podcast. Yeah. I Paul, feel that you owe me some money. Paul, you shut your cake hole. You got business cards. Nobody else got any. <laughs> <laughs> you still didn't get your business cards, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, Wayne, tweet a picture of yours. And thus... <laughs> Thus starts the funny book Secret Wars 2. Exactly. <laughs> it's no secret. Fuck all y'all. Yeah, that, that, that was a pretty public war. <laughs> As is the war between Tony Moore and Robert Kirkman. Nicely God, done there, Paul. God bless Twitter. I mean, if in the days before Twitter and Facebook, these arguments would have happened and we would have never known about them. Yeah, you know, it, it's great being able to be included in the, the very public disagreement between Tony Moore and Robert Kirkman, the uh, co-creators of The Walking Dead. I might go as far as say the, the public infantile squabbling between two grown men, much <laughs> as if I was watching my son and, and a friend of his fight over who gets to use the Thomas train. I love that this just keeps happening between different comic creators. I mean, it's like they're putting their foot in their mouth and showing everyone, hey, I'm an immature jackass. Well, you know, uh, Robert Kirkman is the very public figure uh, attached to The Walking Dead. You know, he has written every single issue of The Walking Dead. He's involved in the TV show. Tony Moore was there at the beginning of The Walking Dead and, uh, you know, drew the first several issues and, you know, has a uh, creator credit, I guess. And so earlier this week, it was announced that Kirkman uh, – I'm sorry, that, that Moore was suing Kirkman over uh, – royalties that he hasn't been paid you know for you know chunk of uh of the walking dead and so on twitter we got to see some discussion between uh rick remender uh you know talking about the uh, uh the situation so you know we're going to engage you in a little funny books readers theater of the twitter feed of rick remender and others so rick remender starts Listening to crooks who only care about creators' rights when it serves them. Lecture about integrity makes me want to start a fucking war. You want to blow a hole in some asshole's creator-owned bullshit front? Ask how much ownership they give their artists. Creator rights go to artists for artists and writers. 
not something the writer determines based on his ego's whims. I tend to ignore most blowhards and their bullshit, but this motherfucker is making it hard. Phil Hester tweeted in reply. Now I can't rest until I know. Maybe I know. Remender replied. We all fucking know, but why burn a bridge in the small industry, right? Well, we all kind of fucking know who now, but in a twist, one collaborator with Remender, Corey Walker, replied. Hey, just how much of Strange Girl do I own? Strange Girl was an image series from Remender and Eric Nguyen, but it clearly had an earlier artist on the book. Remender replied, When you quit the book, you offered me the design as a parting gift for flaking. I'll give you a cut if you've changed your mind. I know that in your world, designing a character defines everything. I mean, it's way harder than drawing hundreds of pages. In my world, drawing pages and creating an intellectual property are two different things. Remender? Also, is character design what defines ownership? If so, should we cut out Eric Wynn for his actual issues of artwork? Walker? No, creating a character is what is what defines ownership. Remender? Let's do it. We're the real creators. Let's fuck the guy who drew the book. Forget your promises. Let's make money for integrity. Sure, designs are a part of it, but in the end, designs are one small part of a much larger process to make IP as a comic. You cared so little for your strange girl designs and the hours they took you. You gave them to me willingly. (laughs) And then Bleeding Cool goes on to state that uh, Walker argued that under Remender's definition, Mark Bagley would own part of Spider-Man. Remender argued that under Walker's definition, Jack Kirby would. Or Jack Kirby, not Jack Kirby. So, uh, you know, it's kind of nice to see these exchanges out there. Yeah, and it's funny because Ron Mars has um, an ongoing uh, uh, feature on comic book resources where he talked about, you know, public disagreements between artists and writers and, you know, how many there are lately because of the whole Twitter thing and how it just makes everyone look bad. But, you know, this is an interesting situation, you know, and of course I'm not familiar with it. But this is this is pretty ugly, and this got ugly really quick because yeah. Tony Moore did work with Robert Kirkman as recently as I think Walking Dead issue fifty or seventy five or something. He did a cover, I think, mm-hmm. um, and he did new covers for the Walking Dead Weekly and things like that. So I mean, he was working with him up till recently. But you know, he he's he is saying that Robert Kirkman intentionally misled him to sign over these rights and and not get any money when he knew these. Uh, you know, these big things were coming up, like the TV show and the toys and all that. I had, let's face it, he's coming out of the woodwork now because season two is getting ready to start and it was popular. He sees a cash, you know, a cash cow out there that he's not involved in. and He wants to put his name out there. I got to say, I am so sick of guys going, yeah, I was misled in my contract. You know, Crap. when you buy your car, if you don't understand the car payment, who, whose problem is that? Yeah, it's you not know? Kirkman's fault that he had more vision for where the series was going to go than this guy did. I mean, if you don't have faith in your title that something big's going to happen with it yeah. and you sign away your rights, that's your own fault. Yeah. I'm going to take Aaron's analogy a step, half step away and say, let's apply that to home loans, in which case the answer would be the federal government's problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, are you, and, and I know. Are you, are you saying that there might need to be a federal bailout of uh, the walking? <laughs> Tony <dead>? Moore. Well, <laughs> Tony Moore specifically, yes. Yeah. He's too big. To, well, he's too big to fail, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say though, I'm I'm, I'm shocked that you guys are kind of are, are kind of saying these things because I gotta be honest. I think based on integrity, I I I, I don't side with Tony Moore, but I think he has a point. I don't. I don't. Hire a fucking attorney. 
You know, I think, oh, don't yeah. sign that contract. Well, I think that's what he's doing. <laughs> no, but I mean, hire, hire an attorney before you sign the contract. Right. Now, if 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 somebody is in breach of contract, by all means, take it to court. But you know, to to come back and go, well, I didn't understand the contract you signed. I was bullied into doing it. I mean, did did Robert Kirkman, Godfather, the guy, and say, you know, either your 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 signature or your brains will be on this on this uh, document? He might. Kirkman's a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's coming out of the woodwork now that the TV show's out. I mean, all he did was create the look of a lot of the characters early on. They don't exactly look the same on the TV show to begin with because they're played by actors. Kirkman is the creative force behind Walking Dead. It's his stories. He created the characters. All this guy did was create the look for the comic characters. Now, if he wants to argue strictly that the, you know, the toys and the comics that he should have money from them, okay. But the TV show characters don't really look like the comic characters at all. Well, and I would say that uh, unlike a superhero comic, for instance, like Superman. There's not a real strong brand on these images, you know. Like I, I, I just I kind of feel like it's it, there any there any zombie characters, there any human survivors in a zombie apocalypse. There's nothing striking. I think probably the most striking image, uh, memorable image, is Carl in his father's hat. You know, I, I, that's probably the most striking image. I, I, I think you're going to have a hard time making a a brand claim to it. And again. Understand your contract. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I just think, and I think it could have been handled better and less publicly. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we don't know the full story. I mean, Rick Remender seems pretty animated about it. Aaron makes a great point. The if these were like costumes, I might feel differently. If there was more design to it other than the look of the of people. I might, you know, I might support it a little bit more if he had designed. This is what Spider Man looks like, right? But that's not what happened here. Well, what do you think about this ghostwriter guy this week? Have you heard about the ghostwriter guy? I have not heard about the ghostwriter guy. I believe his name is Gary Friedrich. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Gary um, I, th- oh, I believe his name is Gary Friedrich. Yeah, I know. Well, we can pretend it's Gary Busey. Oh, sweet. Um, so Gary Busey uh-huh. slash Friedrich. Um, he was in a lawsuit with Marvel over the ownership of Ghost Rider. He was a co-creator on Ghost Rider. And basically, um, I'm not sure how it all ended up, but now Marvel is demanding $17,000 for attorney fees from him. And this guy, I mean, has anybody heard from Gary? Does anyone know who Gary Friedrich is? No, I've never heard of this guy before in my life. Nor have I. But he co-created Ghost Rider. And you know he, he he has not been getting gotten any he hasn't gotten any credit or anything like that, um, but in the but, lawsuit, okay, he he was he has to give Marvel seventeen thousand uh-huh. dollars uh, because they co they they countersued him, uh-huh. and the guy doesn't have seventeen thousand dollars. Right. Well, because they haven't been paying him any money for all the, for the lucrative lucrative creative concept that is Ghost Rider. Well, you know, I mean, we say that and we laugh, but Ghost Rider, I mean, the first movie made a couple hundred million dollars. You've got the new movie coming out. You've got action figures. You know, I mean, I think it's I don't think it's it's not necessarily a character that, you know, we can say is in the top 10 comic characters of all time. But I'm sure he has more. I'm sure he could have made more than seventeen thousand dollars had he been given his due. Well, and here's the part that 
this is a dick move by Marvel looking at this story because they're suing him for selling prints of Ghost Rider that he created after he didn't work for Marvel. He can't sell prints of a character he created. Not if Marvel well, owns it. I mean, if he if he did this work for hire, I, I don't. I don't understand his grounds for a suit if uh, he did this work for hire. Yeah, I mean, it, it's to a certain extent, it's the same situation as the Kirby's and the Schuster's and right. all them, and, you know, and pretty much every creator who's sued for rights back from their, you know, from the yeah. large conglomerates. You know, I it's mean, just, you know, this is the latest in that string. Right. It would just depend on what his agreement was with Marvel at the time. I mean, if if they agreed to. You know, credit him, which I have a hard time believing because that would have been back in the mid seventies. You know, wasn't Ghost Rider created like around seventy three, seventy four, something like that? Yeah, it was around something like that. Yeah, and so um, I can't imagine that there was there was much in his in his uh, agreement with Marvel that would have supported creator rights because you know Marvel Marvel didn't embrace creator rights until the eighties. I don't think he should have sued Marvel because his contract, I'm sure, was just you know just one of those contracts where he is creating content for them. Yeah. But the countersuit of seventeen thousand because he sold prints at conventions. Oh, it's that, punitive. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sending a message, is what that's it right. is. Well, I, it's and, Marvel sending a message: don't sue us. We're going to strike back. Well, the guys, yeah. They're 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 trying to uh, discourage nuisance lawsuits, you know. And if you're if you're going if you're going to open up that can of worms, okay, you know, pay up, chief. We'll put you, you in know, bankruptcy. There's, there, there's been enough lawsuits that we might have to do a Law of the Geek Funny Books uh, team up. Ooh, up. a crossover, Law of the Geek you, versus Funny Books. <laughs> but you know what made me get litigious this week? Uh oh. I had to watch the Amazing Spider-Man origin again. And I'm like, you know, I want that 30 seconds of my life back. I'm like, Tim. Wow. See, I feel very differently than you, Tim, because after seeing that trailer, that's the first time I've been interested in this movie. You now, be kidding me. No, not at all. <laughs> now, I am pissed off by all the times he spends without his mask. I think that was the worst part of the second Spider-Man movie was all the time without the mask. And I think it's going to be the worst part of this one. It's ridiculous to me how often he pulls. It looks like he's going to be pulling off his mask. He should never be fighting without his mask. But other than that, I thought this trailer looked great. I thought Emma Stone looks like she's doing a great job with uh, Gwen Stacy. I The origin is different. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I thought it looked wonderful. Yeah, I, I am you? not as excited as <clears throat> Wayne is. Because I haven't cared about I this movie I'm at all until now. I'm not going to say I'm as excited as Wayne, but I am interested in it. I, I'm more interested in it than I was in the first three Spider-Man movies. I'll give it that. Yeah, I uh, I'll see the movie, you know, because I pretty much see most of the comic book movies when they come out. But uh, I'm not excited about it. it. Doesn't look like a bad film. I'm just not jazzed about it. The, moment the, the, trailer, the trailer did nothing to change that for me. So the moment in the trailer that made me think that they they got it was. When the uh, the guy's trying to steal the car and Spider Man sit, sitting in the back seat and just cracks a joke at him, that made me think yeah. that they actually understood the character that we could get a good Spider Man movie from him. See, but I I think the whole trailer to me screams like '80s Spider Man. You know, because it, 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 you know you've got the Gwen Stacy's, the Captain Stacy. You know, you've got. <clears throat> 
uh, the dark Spider-Man that would have been popular back in the late 80s. It looks like a late 80s Spider-Man movie to me. You know, it looks like something that, while it could be good, you know, I mean, it's based on a story from the 80s. It just, it would be nice to see a little bit more of, I don't know, you know, Captain America was proved, and, and Thor both proved that you don't have to go dark in your superhero movies. You could have a bright, shiny superhero movie, you know, and that's the type of Spider-Man we're getting in comics right now. You know, we're getting daytime, and we're not getting dark and gritty, and I don't know, I like, the dark and gritty Spider-Man just, I'm like, seriously, are we still with the dark and gritty here? Do we, you know, did we not prove that dark and gritty isn't necessary to make a popular movie? You know, I hate to say it, but I agree with Paul. It, I think it is when they uh, they screw up the costume design as bad as they did on this one. I don't want to see that costume in the the bright sunlight because the pictures from the set looked pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, then you do a different costume, but you know, I mean, my, it's darker <laughs> color. But I just I feel like that you know they're they're going for for this dark and gritty feel. And again, you know, there have been so many stories since the 80s. Do we really have to go with the death of Captain Stacy or, you know, whatever, the Gwen Stacy stuff? I mean, just I feel like we could we could move forward. You know, Dan Slott has has done some great stuff. It would be nice to see, you know, do a little bit more of a sci-fi Spider-Man type thing. You know, he, he, he has more range than just than what they're putting him into, I think. Considering I, all Marvel has done recently. I think this is going to be heavier sci-fi based on the trailer. I think his origin is going to be much more sci-fi than the the previous ones. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I, this, this, is my, this is my stance. You cannot reboot something that was done less than 20 years ago. I'm done. <laughs> I, they I, did it with the Hulk. Well, and they I, did it with yeah. the Hulk like three years after. I guess that means we don't get the good Hulk movie. We don't get Batman Begins because that was less than 20 years ago, Tim. I am perfectly fine with the reboot if it's better than the original series. And considering how bad the first Hulk movie was and how bad Batman and Robin was, those were cases where it definitely was better to have rebooted instead of trying to continue on. Yeah, but those – okay, let me, let me restate that. They rebooted, but they didn't tell the exact same story. That's right. I, I'll agree with that because yeah, – This is telling the exact same story. Yeah, if I see the frickin' origin of Spider-Man anymore on the big screen, I'm gonna go crazy. The difference between the Ang Lee Hulk and the Ed Norton Hulk is that they didn't retell the origin. You know, they didn't spend all this time doing origin story. They just said, because, you know, the Hulk hulks out. That's all you need to know. (laughs) It was, well, it was also better directing, better acting, a better I I don't disagree with you, but they didn't have Hulk dogs. But they didn't retread the same story. We're getting origin all. We assume we're getting origin all over in the new Spider-Man movie. Well, the Which, first trailer focuses pretty heavily on the origin. Right. So you know, the second trailer does not. But the first trailer shows that. I mean, I'm sure we're going to be dealing with that for at least the first 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah. If they if they did it in the credits, you know, if they just you know, hey, look, got bit by a radioactive spider, Spider-Man. I'm well, cool with I think that. They're going to deal with a lot of the origins because I think they're tying in Lizard's origins yeah. to his. See, I'm not kind of. Kind of like the Spider-Man cartoon did. It seems like a waste of my time. <laughs> but, but you know what's not a waste of my time? Avengers. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, it looks good. That there Avengers go. uh, trailer was pretty freaking awesome. Oh, I, I am so excited about Avengers. The uh, the best moment of the trailer where I was ready to just cheer, but I realized I was on the mics with you guys, so I <laughs> held it in, was uh, Tony Stark talking to Loki. And Loki's, I, I've got an army. We've got a Hulk. Well, he just throws oh, the line. So of which is, Yeah, we've got a Hulk. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's not just the line; it was the delivery of the line. And then you see Hulk just smashing things, and oh, I am so excited! I've only got one complaint out of all of that trailer, and that was I didn't like Captain America's costume. The new I costume, yeah, it's little too. I didn't like that Tony Stark line. You didn't was, like that? <laughs> no, that was sappy as hell. Oh, come on, Tim. Where's your soul? I'm like, come on, really? <laughs> yeah, really? I, Line. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to that scene regardless, because I think, you know, you've got Robert Downey Jr., and I, I guess the guy's name is Tom Huddleston, the guy who plays Loki. I think that would be, you know, a good conversation on screen, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I think those two are really good actors. And I'm interested in seeing Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. I miss Ed Norton, you know. And Mark Ruffalo just reminds me of a child molester, but you know, child molester Hulk could be interesting. Yeah, I, I... <laughs> Hulk molest. Hulk say come into basement with me. <laughs> Hulk, Hulk get ice cream man. Hulk have candy. <laughs> that's awful. Uh, that's the show title. Um... That's <laughs> But no, I, I, you know, what, and what makes me even more interested in it is that I've, uh, I've been reading that some of the story elements come from Walt Simonson's run on Thor. So I would be all about that. Not, not the child molesting Hulk thing. That wasn't in there. But I, you know, I, I like pervy Hulk. You know, you've got Gray Hulk, you've got Green Hulk, you've got Red Hulk, and now you've got pervy Hulk. Ultimate Hulk was a pretty pervy Hulk. That's right. This is true. What color is pervy Hulk? Um, Fuchsia. Pink. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> or purple? He could be purple. <laughs> uh, so this conversation he, he went off the rails really fast. Say, he can't be pink because then you could sue him because you created the pink Hulk and that's uh, true. That's true. But he could be purple, you know, like Barney. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ju- just, just we we probably need to make sure that we have some type of contract with Jake Ekus so he doesn't sue us in 20 years when Knights of Rainsboro is really big. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point. We should probably get a creator rights uh, contract out there. Fucking Ekus. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Ekus. <laughs> Who is Jake Ekus? I want Aaron to drive over there with his shotgun. Sign this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> your brain or your signature? <laughs> Done. So <sighs> uh, Scarlet well, Spider. <laughs> yeah. So you know, yeah. not we didn't really read forward. much this week. I well, read a lot, actually. We're just not talking about a lot. I didn't read much this week. That's because you suck. Well, yeah. Well, you know, sadly, I got all caught up on The Walking Dead this week. Nice. All eighty-nine issues, or yeah, whatever. all eighty-nine issues of it. Yeah. So, uh, but we are only we're only two issues into Scarlet Spider, Aaron. Yes. And I'm so sure that, Sp- that someday Yost and Stegman will be fussing about it. Yes. <laughs> oh, if only Straczynski and Mark Wade can get in on that conversation, it will be the ultimate Twitter war. <laughs> I love when Mark Wade jumps into Twitter wars. Rick Remender should get involved, too, just because he cusses a lot. Well, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Well, and you know who else cusses a lot? Scarlet Spider. He does. He and does. he shoots guns. That's right. Yeah, that you know, I, I gotta say, uh, the artwork in this book was fantastic, and I loved how much they emphasized that this guy isn't Peter Parker. Yeah, you know that he, uh, you know, him picking up guns and shooting the bad guy. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, this inner dialogue. I mean, that's one of the things that I really wanted out of this book. I wanted something that gives him a different voice from Peter and a different voice, more importantly, from Ben Riley. 
mm-hmm. because this is not Ben Riley. This is not Peter Parker. And the the red dialogue boxes that are his thoughts, mm-hmm. I love that because he has a voice yeah. and his voice is different. I also – something you see him do that you would never see Peter Parker do, garota guy with a web line. Yes. I mean, I, was yeah. like, awesome. I was like, oh, that is so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's funny. He's just like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I need yeah. to kill this guy. Yeah. yeah. I would say that panel where he's shooting the gun, that jumps out at you because yeah. that's just – that's not something you ever thought you would see. Someone in a spider costume with a gun firing shots at someone. Well, and the way he fights, you know, because he's got those claws on his fingertips, it just is much more brutal, it seems, than uh, than the way Spider-Man fights, or, you know, the way Peter Parker fights. Uh, I just dug it. And the fact that, you know, the city of Houston's like, yeah, could you stay? We need a superhero. Yeah. yeah. I, I love how he berates everyone that he's saving. Yeah. It's like, you're in my way. Move it, you idiot. Yeah. And he's just like. Everyone that he's saving is an inconvenience between him and the person he's trying to fight. Now I have a question: Does Kane have the um, the claw, like the uh, you know, the bone protrusions that shoot out of his wrists? He did it, in the in yeah. Spider Island. We saw that in Spider Island. Okay, so he just hasn't used them yet in his book. But you know, the only the I, I love the book, and I'm 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 going to continue buying Scarlet Spider. I have two qualms with. The first arc, no hoodie. Which I, uh, well, it's, it, I got to be honest, it, it is. It's the lack of hoodie, um, not not necessarily the hoodie, but it is the costume. I, I think I, I know they're trying to go for the visual similarity to Spider-Man to get the book off the sh- to get people to buy the book, but I, I, I really wouldn't mind his costume being just a little bit different. I mean, I know the colors are different, but generally it's the same silhouette as Spider-Man. You know, same facial. Same face, basically. I just, I, I wouldn't mind uh, something a little different in the costume area. I want the hoodie, but I can accept that there's no hoodie. So, and the villain. I thought the villain was kind of lame. I, you know, I'm not dazzled by the villain, but you know, you didn't need a uh, spectacular villain for the story because it really, really, all the villain serves in this story is to show you the difference between the Scarlet Spider and Spider-Man. And I think for that purpose, he did an adequate job. You know, I don't think that's going to be the case long term, though. I think they're setting up their bigger, their first major story arc out of him. In this case, the only purpose in him being there was big, flashy villain with, you know, big firepower. So you can see the difference in the fighting style. But there's something going on with this girl that uh, that Kane saved, and there's something more going on with that guy he was fighting. So I don't think that they're going to treat him like a throwaway villain. I think he is going to be part of the larger. A larger arc that just kicked off. Yeah, yeah, I dug it. I, I, I'm really enjoying Scarlet Spider. It is so a we welcome addition three? to my stack. <laughs> oh yeah, so this is the all off. Yeah, this is uh, the closest I'm getting to a Spider Fix right now. So wait, I'm you're not, so are you out of Amazing Spider-Man? No, I'm still going to give it another issue or two, but it's not giving me a Spider Fix. I'm not really enjoying it that much. <laughs> I don't know about you, Wayne. I don't either. It, this it's just more, pleases me. Wayne is broken inside. Yes, yeah, it's is. giving it's giving me a spider disappointment. <laughs> a spider so point. good. It's well, so good. It's bad. Is that what you're saying, Wayne? It's so good. It's bad. No, I'm saying it's got it's kind of been mediocre and it's getting worse. And I, I don't, don't really think mediocre. Spider Man in space. 
Hmm. I think you've lost touch. I think you've got lost touch with reality. <laughs> well, you know what book is good, and I'm sure we can all agree on it. Hopefully, yeah, we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> Batman and Robin number six, uh, with the the greatest cover of all time. Batman is fighting his son, and it says above the streets of Gotham. Dark Knight Battles Demon Seed. I thought that was kind of funny that they referred to Damien as Demon Seed on the cover. Well, oh, it actually perfect. says above the skies of Gotham. And wouldn't above the I... skies of Gotham be space? <laughs> In theory. <laughs> well, there I mean, if you look, I mean, they're, they are kind of high up. This is there another is case of the true. cover lying, too, because that didn't happen in the book. That's true. There, there, there was no space fight between Batman and his demon seed. That's a good point. <laughs> but what there was was a lot of goodness. I think. I thought. I thought this issue was excellent. And wouldn't wouldn't uh, you know Damien be more of like Demon Egg, you know, because <laughs> Batman provided the seed, whereas his mother provided the egg. So wouldn't it be more appropriate to call him Demon Egg? Well, they wanted to say Demon Spawn, but they were afraid Todd McFarlane would sue them. Mm, fair point. Fair point. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the book itself. <laughs> so flip open the cover. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is basic. This is issue six of the first arc, and I'm guessing it concludes with issue seven. Um with Batman and Damien taking on this uh, vigilante nobody who has taken Damien under his wing. And uh, it, basically with an ending that surprised no one. But I thought it was a pretty excellent issue. And, I, God, I love the art on this book. I uh, was less thrilled with the art in this issue than I have been in the previous issues. Really? Yeah. Um, there, Some of it seemed kind of unfinished. You know, there is a panel with Jim Gordon where he's, you know, telling Batman how much time he's going to give him before uh, Gotham PD gets involved. And the... His the the character just didn't seem finished to me. Yeah, but there I, are pages that I thought were great, like you know uh, the the page where Bruce jumps on Morgan, you know uh, where he comes through the guy's uh, uh, windshield. You know, Aaron, I thought I was about to agree with you about the art, but I was going to point to that page as the worst page of the book. Really? Yeah, I mean, overall, I thought the art was really good, but there were a couple pages that just did not do it for me at all, and that was one of them. Yeah, I, some of it just didn't didn't seem finished to me. Like, you know, there's there's a panel where where Batman is swinging across Gotham, and you know, the moon is behind him, and all these bats, and I'm like, ooh, that's a really nice panel. But some of the others, there, there's a a panel where um, it's in the flashback, Bruce is is uh, fighting Ducard. And his mouth just looks like a cartoon. You know, it just well, – some of it just doesn't uh, seem very finished. And I have to think I have to agree that, that the, the scene where he's jumping through the windshield mm-hmm. uh, d- does not look good. He basically looks like Hulk. He doesn't look like Bruce Wayne, especially yeah. a young Bruce Wayne. Uh, he's but overall, He's hulked out. Exactly. I, I understand that he's enraged, but um, – <laughs> Uh, but, but I did. I love the story. I, I really enjoyed the Ducards and their storyline going through here with Morgan and the relationship with uh, his dad, Henry. And uh, I, I thought it was an excellent book. Yeah, I think I just don't like the the style of the the drawing completely in black and reds because I had the same issue with the, the last panel. It just that doesn't do it for me. I like more detail. If now, it's a silhouette, I don't think I want the red in there. Maybe that's what's throwing it off for me. 
in terms of the uh, story, I thought the last couple of panels were fantastic where nobody is taking it out on Damien. And all you're doing oh, yeah. is, is you're getting the sound effects of like bones breaking. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> well, like the last couple of pages when Damien reveals his true intentions. Yeah. Which, again, predictable. But I thought they were awesome because, I mean, you know, he's I just love that. You know, nobody's like, I was setting you free. Why would you throw away all I had to offer? And Damien's like, because he's my father, you idiot. Yeah. I just thought that was perfect. That was perfect Damien Wayne. I, it surprised me because I didn't think he actually really cared that it was his father. That kind of caught me off guard. Because mm-hmm. remember, I don't like the character. I never have liked the character. You know, If they were to kill him in the next issue, which I don't think they would, I don't think I would – I wouldn't be happy about it because I don't like the direction they would take Batman in that case because we've already seen that story. But I wouldn't miss the character at all. I disagree. Like I said, Damian Wayne and Young Loki are probably two of my favorite characters created in the last 20 years. I'm and not I, I crazy. Just, I love Damian Wayne. I'm not crazy about Damian Wayne, but I do enjoy his character. He's very broken, which makes him both enjoyable to read and hard to read. Yeah. I, I like his demented, but sometimes he's just – he's such a young kid. He does such twisted stuff. You're like, ah, ah. It's like watching Battlestar Galactic <laughs> back in the day. It's like I'm starting to get depressed reading this book. It was good stuff. <laughs> I think Andrew, you're, you're you're taking Damien's actions and you're applying them to your child, and I think that's that's safe because I think your child is going to probably strangle you one day <laughs> <laughs> and and leave you and join a, a, a fellow vigilante in crime. I'll be honest, I find that hard to imagine a, a scenario where that's going to happen. So did Batman. <laughs> no, no, I think Batman's been aware of this issue for some time. <laughs> Especially when they found that sketchbook. I'm still waiting for him to have that conversation with Damien about the sketchbook. Yeah, that, well, I think that'll happen. That'll I, I'm be, sure it'll be it'll be a conversation about, you know, really, my nose isn't that big. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Here, this is how you draw me. <laughs> but since we're, t- you know, let's talk about Tim's favorite topic. Digital uh, comics? Ooh, digital- it's Tim's Digital Comics Corner. Dun, dun, dun. Just, yes. just once, I'd like to get through this motherfucking podcast with a digital goddamn comic coming out. God damn it! Uh, Maybe you just so, need to give in, Tim. Join us. No, one does. of us. One, one of, of us. One, one of, of us. us. Hey, listen, as soon as you guys buy me an iPad, too, we'll see. Well, Until iPad then, 3 should be coming out soon, too. Dash your digital comics. Hey, isn't some guy doing a contest for an iPad at uh, Fear the Con? I don't know. I think there is. Huh. I recall wow. seeing that on the on the on the uh, Fear the Boot forum. So you know, you could you, you could you could win an iPad and a gift card to Starbucks at Fear the Gone. Mm. <laughs> only I could get a Segway. And, and your Segway, you could win your Segway too. With the cup holder. <laughs> I'm the sure they sell those at Starbucks. The, the hipster makeover is that what that's uh-huh. called? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can grow your hair out into a ponytail. Well, do you know what hipsters were reading <laughs> these last two weeks? Um, so, long time, well, not that long ago, you know, we announced or we talked about how DC was going to be releasing Batman Beyond Unlimited, which was basically print versions of two comic, uh, a print uh, double sized book. Half of it was Justice League Beyond, or Justice League, yeah, Justice League Beyond by Dustin Nguyen and Derek Fredolfs. And the other half was Batman Beyond by Adam Beechin and Norm Brayfogle. 
And so what DC's doing is the two weeks leading up to the book, they're releasing the Justice League Beyond as two chapters at 99 cents each. And the week the book comes out is when they start releasing Batman Beyond. So they kind of alternate digital. But the Justice League Beyond stuff is digital first. So Justice League Beyond parts one and two, which will both be collected in this coming week's Batman Beyond Unlimited, uh, came out digitally. Now, Aaron and I read the first two issues. I read the first issue. I didn't realize the second issue was out yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the second issue came out this week. So, so if you only read this, the first issue. Let me get issue, this straight. Yes. It, it's, it, you're, getting, you're getting the comic digitally before it comes out in print. You're that getting half what, of the comic digitally before it comes out. No. And the other half you can get when it comes out. But either way, it's the same price. It's four bucks right, either no, way. Listen, I'm I'm all on. I'm okay with you liberals uh, and being okay with same day digital and all that bullshit. But this starts coming out beforehand. I'm gonna have a fit. I'm all <laughs> for it. What? I'm not buying Batman Beyond. There you go. I like that DC. <laughs> you know anything that helps uh, you know support and grow digital comics. I'm I'm all for since that is now my my pipeline to comics. But I can understand Tim's point. Well, and at 99 cents a clip, I mean, I think, you know, Batman Beyond is a pretty big property for DC. It does pretty well for them. Um, you know, the, the the cartoons are still showing on shows on, you know, Cartoon Network and Boomerang and stuff like that. Considering the show only lasted three seasons, it's a, it's a pretty big property for them. So it makes sense that they would try to appeal to the digital market, you know, to try to pull in people at 99 cents a clip on these comics. And, you know, you have some pretty dynamite teams on them. And so, Aaron, what do you think of Justice League Beyond number one? You know, uh, I like the art and I I enjoy these characters. I didn't really get a a good feel for the for the characters, though. I mean, because it's just really kind of a fight scene. I don't think it gave me enough. You know, it's it's very serialized, uh, the storyline. So, you know, having only read the first part of it, I can only say that I'm, I'm interested in it. I can't tell you whether or not I enjoyed it or not. Yeah, and I have to say the same thing. And I read both issues, um, mm-hmm. which, again, combined into the first issue coming out next week. I, I feel that they assume you know a lot. Right. And, you know, I do know a lot. I do know these characters. I've seen those Batman Beyond Justice League episodes multiple times, as well as the Justice League Unlimited episodes with the characters multiple times. I mean, they're some of my favorite episodes. But I feel like they as a first issue, they probably could have done a little bit more of an intro and I get what they're trying to do at a buck a clip. You know, you're trying to get the most bang for your buck, but what you end up getting, honestly, it feels almost like you're reading a comic strip rather than a comic. Um, yes, it does feel that way. You're, you're, you're basically getting a fight scene and a brief wrap up. Yeah. I expected any moment Lucy to pull the football away from Charlie Brown. Yeah. You know, or Wonder Woman to, or whatever, Big Barda to pull the football away from Batman Beyond. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it, it's, and, and here's the thing. It's a very pretty book. Dustin Nguyen, I love the art. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it is very appropriate for the, for the Batman Beyond universe. But I think the story is just a little lacking on the book. Um, you know, I, I, and I, again, I read both issues together. So I'm reading essentially what you're going to get in print next week if you buy it in print. And I feel like there wasn't much story there. It was one big fight sequence. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And let me tell you something. You know, I, I think that it's fair to not just talk about the artwork and the story, but when you're reading a comic book digitally, particularly something through comicsology, let's talk about the scan on that. Um, 
I think that it was really done rather haphazardly. Yeah, uh, you know what it looks like to me? To me, you know, it, it, it says it's digital first, but uh-huh. I think it was drawn for the printed page. I agree. Well, and I think it was drawn for the printed page, and they did no work to trim the images. Because it very much looked like I scanned the page and cut it in half, as opposed to, you know, you can you can really tell on a lot of the digital comics where those those images are trimmed for the reader. You know, they are yeah. trimmed for, for the scan and the transition. And that didn't happen here. This looked like it was rushed in terms really of does. the scan. And I really did not enjoy the there was one page that should have been one panel when I when I was doing the the guided uh, view, and it had three panels on the page, you know. And really, what it should have done is it should have shown me each panel separately, and then showed me all three. And you could just tell the cut line where someone just cut and pasted out of the the scanned image. I thought it was a poor scan on Comicsology's part. Agreed. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to give the first two issues of Batman Beyond mm-hmm. a try digitally, mm-hmm. and if. I get the same vibe off of them that I do off of the Justice League Beyond Digital. Mm-hmm. I will probably just wait and buy the book in print. Right. Which I know is not what the point of it is. The whole point of the digital release is, you know, you buy it weekly, you get a little bit of Batman, yeah. Justice League weekly. And I liked that idea. But but they, know, should, they should be dazzling us on what digital can do. Exactly. And you they're know, not. Yeah, they not should have been this. rocking my socks and they just did not do that. Now, again, story and art were great. You know, in terms of how much of it we got, but uh, the the actual technology through Comicsology was not impressive. So, I agree, and uh, you know, hopefully, again, it, because it's different creative teams, I think I hope Batman Beyond will work differently. If not, you know, then uh, next week I or you know next month I'll just be buying it in print because I I do like the characters, I do like the story, so I'm hopeful it's good. Agreed. Now, a book that. Every month I talk about how I'm going to drop it, and then I say, well, maybe one more issue. Well, maybe one more issue of Suicide Squad for me. Because I bought Suicide Squad number six this week, the first part of The Hunt for Harley Quinn. And uh, uh, it's just interesting enough to keep me for another damn issue. And this wow, is so the- you're still on the border after this? Because this was the best issue of the entire series so far. It is. And that's – well, I'm – <clears throat> I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm coughing, but yeah, I, I, I guess I'm I'm on the border because of the first five issues. But yes, this was the best issue. And but not every issue is going to give us the origin of Harley Quinn, which is basically what this issue did. You know, I've enjoyed this this title since the beginning. I thought the issue before this felt a little disjointed, but this to me was like they're back on track. The origin of Harley Quinn. And there's still, I think, going to be more of that in the next issue. I love the way they're telling this origin, these flashbacks, the this gradual progression from, you know, the doctor who thinks she can handle the Joker to someone who's insane and madly in love with him. I this was a love letter to Harley fans. But it's also a story we've seen before. You know, this is very similar to the story we got in uh, Matt Love, the Batman Adventures, or the Batman cartoon. Very similar. Very similar, but both darker and more, you know, more thought out. Like, they they hit on it 
with Mad Love. They told her origin, but they didn't go into the details. This was definitely a more gradual progression from what she was to what she became. I yeah, and I agree, and I I, I like I like this take on it. It's like I said, similar, but I I, I I'm, I'm interested enough. I'm going to give it another issue. I'll probably give it this arc. And, you know, then then at the start of the next arc, I'll say, oh, I'll give it one more issue. So I'm probably going to be buying Suicide Squad till I die. At this point. <laughs> yeah, I loved this Harley. I love their take on Joker in this book. What I found interesting was since the beginning, they've said that Harley thought the Joker was dead. I didn't realize that everybody thought he was dead because of the his face being skinned. I mean, it makes sense. It's. It's kind of uh, obvious that people would think that. It's just we as readers know that Joker is still alive somewhere. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, Paul, you still there? Oh, I was on mute. I'm sorry. And I had like a good transition and everything in there. <laughs> Do it again, Paul. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, Aaron, Wayne, go ahead and say your last line again. I don't even remember my last line at this point, Paul. Oh, you said we as readers know ah. that that Joker ah. is still alive, and I said, "Do yeah. we?" And we, we as readers, really? we all know Joker's still alive because they showed it. Well, you just ruined it. That's right. They took position, bastard, for muting your mic. <laughs> You left us with awkward pauses. You don't get a good transition from that. So talk about uh, Secret Avengers. You well, bastard. You know, speaking of books I'm on the fence about, I, I really loved Warren Ellis' run on Secret Avengers. Uh, it was a six-issue run. And then last week, issue 21.1 came out, which was the first issue of the Remender run. And Aaron and I think thought it was both serviceable. I don't think we loved it, but we mm-hmm. enjoyed it enough. Um, now, this is the first issue of official issue of Rick Remender's Secret Avengers, uh, the team being Ant-Man, Valkyrie, Beast, Black Widow, Captain Britain, under the leadership of Hawkeye. Uh, first issue with art by Gabriel Hardman. And so I, w- I, w- I was nervous about this issue because, I mean, really, how do you follow up Warren Ellis's run? I mean, yeah. that was just... And Stuart Amonin. And Stuart Amonin. Yeah. You know, and, and not only Stuart Amonin, but every artist of every issue was just amazing. Yeah. And I have to say... I'm disappointed in this issue. Are you really? Ooh, really? I, I thought I loved every scene where Cap that didn't involve the ma- the the main fight stuff. Okay. You know, when Captain Britain and Hawkeye have this animosity towards each other, that was perfect. It was the first half of this issue is hilarious and awesome. Yeah, and then they get into the fight, and literally, I lost interest as soon as they got into the the super heroic fight stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I had that same feeling here. I really enjoyed the Captain Britain pages, particularly, you know, uh, where it brings him into the story. And, you know, he's having the fight with, you know, um, with you know, this this bad guy in, in Britain and he gets knocked into Buckingham Palace and, you know, at the feet of the queen, you know, and she's like, uh, he, he says, your royal highness, forgive me. I was and she goes, fighting to protect your people, Captain Britain. You need not apologize. Now get up off your knees and defeat that hooligan. And then she says, cheers. Yeah. So, yeah, I got a kick out of that. And then, you know, you know, it's kind of picks up right up from the end of his book, Captain Britain and MI3. And, 
you know, he's over there in Otherworld. And I love the discussion that's going on in Otherworld. And you've got all these other universe Captain uh, Britain guys. And they're talking about, hey, yeah, you know, uh, on Earth 919, Jericho Drum has bonded an Infinity Gem to an Eye of Agamotto. And I'm like, I want to read that story. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> you know, but uh, Captain America hauls Captain Britain onto the Secret Avengers. And Captain Britain just immediately assumes, oh, I'm here to lead the team. And what's funny is, having read the last issue, I had forgotten that, uh, you know, initially that Captain America had appointed Hawkeye as the head of the team. And so I'm kind of going, I, I, I'm a couple of panels in before I go, hey, didn't Hawkeye? And that's when it, you know, all comes raining down. Uh, and you, so now you've got the, this headbutting between Hawkeye and, uh, and Captain Britain. And it's great. It's, it's a nice little mix on the team. Um, I think that those of you who dislike the cat beast will enjoy the way Gabriel Hardman draws beast on these pages. Which is funny because they refer to him. As Cat Beast. Right. You know, Captain Britain walks up and he's like, hey, man, how unfortunate – he doesn't say, hey, man. He says Dr. McCoy. How unfortunate <laughs> your mutations are still frozen at the ever-imposing big house cat stage. But he doesn't look like Cat Beast. No, he doesn't. He look he looks more like he did back in the 80s. So, yeah, Which is okay with me. I mean, yeah, the, i got to be honest. The art was my favorite part of the book. I loved Gabriel Hardman's art on this book. Yeah, I really enjoy Gabriel Hardman. I wasn't sure how much I was going to like him on Secret Avengers. You know, yeah, I wasn't uh, in the either, but I think he did a damn good job. Absolutely. absolutely. Style's different enough. It's not at all like his stuff on Agents of Atlas. I enjoyed all of the stuff between the char- b- between the main characters, between the Secret Avengers. Loved all of that stuff. I disliked the villains in the book. Exactly. That's where it lost my – I mean that you have these this other super villain team that – Got to be honest, completely uninteresting. Yeah, no, I, I didn't like any of those guys. In fact, the only thing that I got interested in about the bad guys was the very last panel of the book. You know, when that yeah, when they've got the you know the table of of all the other bad guys. You know, the guys, the bad guys that we know. I'm really not interested <laughs> in these bad guys that we don't know. Yeah, you've got at the end. I guess it's the reveal of who the the main villains are, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I know there's been a. I don't remember the name of the main villain group that's been here in Secret Avengers since the beginning, but yeah, um, but it's like you've got you know alternate universe uh, uh, Doctor Doom, Wasp, Jocasta, Vision. Um, you've got uh, I, f- I forget who the purple guy is in the back. I think he is a uh, a it's like a sense. He looks like a Sentinel, but I think he's actually Kree, just based on his size and the, the head design. You've got a Red Skull in there, and you've got that, that LMD Nick Fury. Plus, I think that's uh, the Mandarin at the back. It might. Well, who's Lady Deathstrike's father? Oh, is, is, that, is that who that is? Oh, no, maybe well, not. He refers to her as his daughter. But, I mean, all of this talk about alternate villains and alternate villain teams makes me glad I'm not buying this book. I enjoyed I, it with the exception because uh, the, these other villains, the, the new villains, you know, I don't think they were alternate universe guys. I just think they were poorly created. But uh, I'm not interested in them yet. And yeah, maybe that will change I, through the story, but I'm, I don't care for what I just for, for those villains. I'm going to give it another issue. You know, and again, I, I, I'm unfairly treating this book. Because let's be honest, the book started crappy. Yeah. Um, and then Warren Ellis came on and blew my mind with his issues. With Absolutely. His yeah. And but you so, know, the the things that I think really work in the book, 
is all the stuff that is, you know, backstory on the Avengers. Like I love the, the, the new Avengers satellite, you know, yeah. that is shrunk down by pim particles to be unobtrusive in the sky. And it's about the size of a basketball. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. love that. Well, and I think what's funny is what Rick Remender does well is what Warren Ellis didn't. Mm-hmm. which is the Make small love. character moments. Yeah, besides that. Uh-huh. Um, the, the, the small character moments. You know, Warren Ellis did fantastic nonstop six issues of action and mm-hmm. big ideas. And Rick Remender, his best stuff is the team interaction and the humor and stuff like that. Um, and I, again, the action is what lost me in the issue. So I'm hoping for a better second issue. I'm going to give it another one. And you know what? Art Adams being on the covers is... Oh, yeah dynamite idea because he does a stellar job and next issues cover looks even better and it has venom joining the team so i i am i'm definitely going to uh to give it another issue yeah i'm not blown away but i thought it was okay enough to to continue buying for another issue well yeah I, i guess i guess my critique is that the parts that i liked i liked a lot yeah the parts that i didn't like it's probably more more accurate to say they just didn't dazzle me. You know, I just wasn't yeah. all that interested in those in those new characters. But, you know, hopefully it'll pick up next issue. Let's hope so. There's a, there's enough to keep me on the book. Well, one book that did blow me away. Holy this- shit, Paul. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say is holy shit. <laughs> what? Artifacts number 14. Uh, Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) The the first issue by Ron Mars and uh, Stefan Sejic, uh, you know, who who left Witchblade to basically do this book. Uh, This is the first issue of it being an ongoing series. It's not part of a crossover. It's its own thing. Um, And I think we all read it this week. And Aaron has something he has to say. (laughs) Holy shit, that's a beautiful book. Isn't it? (laughs) I mean, how lucky is Ron Mars that he gets to write the words that Stapon Sayek draws? I I mean, holy crap. This book is beautiful. It is. I absolutely agree. And it's just, you know, and (laughs) review done. <laughs> you know, at this point though, that's just what I expect out of these Top Cow books. They consistently have just this mind-blowing level of talent doing their artwork over there. Well, well yeah, I have to say that you know when I when I opened it up to start reading it, it had that that uh, darkness prelude in it that we saw in Witchblade. Oh yeah, I was a little perturbed in that you know, hey, I've already read this. I read this last month. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. But again, it is so pretty. True, but it's important. You know, for for it is important. It is important, and yeah. And my abrasion with it ended because of how good the rest of the book was. How how good all the new content was. And don't get me wrong, that Darkness Prelude was fantastic. It was the best part of that issue of Witchblade. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, uh, but like I hadn't issue. I hadn't read that issue of Witchblade. I had no idea that had been printed anywhere before. Uh-huh. And you know, it was it was something that needed to be there. I think for people just jumping onto the new universe. Yeah. No, it was good. It was good. And I I you know I dug everything about this book. It I was, really did. Really. I did. But go ahead, Tim. Tell us what you think. Well, I'll agree on the art. That, that's that's kind of a no brainer. It was a really pretty book. But. And, Paul, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't know enough. This is supposed to be the jumping-on point for the new Tapco universe? Yeah. This is not really new reader-friendly. 
to me. I'm like, I, I don't understand what the heck's going on. Because I know enough about it to know that there's characters here that, you know, played big parts of the, you know, the artifacts storyline and all of that. So I guess maybe maybe the fact that I'm not new but I'm not I'm not an established reader makes it confusing to me. See, I know just enough to go, okay, I know who that guy sorta is and I know who Jackie Estacado is, but why if he's turning over a new leaf is he killing people? And, well, because he's not. <clears throat> well, I it's just know. what mob guys say from time to time. <laughs> no, it, I, no, I, I get your point, and I, you know, I come in. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tim. I, I was just going to say, I think there's a lot going on that you sort of need to know a little bit more about the Top Gun universe than ground floor nothing. You know, speaking of the universes, the one thing I really wanted out of this book that I didn't get, I want a clear cut what is different between the old universe and the new one. And I didn't miss not getting that. But that's what I wanted when I picked up the issue ready to read it, was I was expecting to be a clear cut. Here is, you know, here is what has changed. Here is the new status quo. And there wasn't as much of that as I expected. But what there was in the book was all really good. Yeah, I agree. I thought the art was just gorgeous. And I'm kind of a little bit with Tim, though. Like the Tom Judge guy, uh, having not picked up the Artifact series yet, I'm sure he's one of the Artifact bears, but I couldn't tell you which one. Well, and I think, you know, and um, here's my hope. Um, so I have two two points of view on this, because I do know who Tom Judge is. I've been reading Top Cow books since the beginning. In fact, one of my favorite Top Cow series of all time was called Universe, and it starred Tom Judge. Um, but to a certain extent, this is a different Tom Judge. That Tom right. Judge died. He would never worked for the FBI. He was just a drunken ex-priest. Um, so this is a very different universe. So I do come in with all the baggage and the knowledge, you know, of the previous Top Cow universe. I'm hoping that this new Top Cow universe, you know, that this book will establish their new roles and i think to a certain extent they they are with some of the characters so you're like tom judge who's tom judge but i think you know i think probably going back and finding out who tom judge is might just confuse the fact because it's not who he is now well and i think the important thing that that the book is telling you is that there's more here than meets the eye and from my perspective i don't think it's important to know what everybody's role in the universe is or what the differences are in the universe other than the fo- other than you know, there are there is at least one person who knows that this is not the universe as it's always been. You just well, have you to know. know it's all wrong. Yeah, yeah, it, and, I, and I think that's what's important. I mean, I'm a guy who you know I'm not like Paul, where uh, uh, number one, I, I don't have two penises, and two, um, I, I, I'm not all uh, I'm not uh, uh, someone who's so grossly familiar with the Top Cow universe. You know, I came into Top Cow right at the end of it, you know, just right prior to Artifacts. So, you know, I don't know many of these characters uh, and, and know few of them well. So, all I it was just important for me to know that there's been such a big change and, you know, these guys uh, don't know what's going on. Well, and I tend to agree with you and Paul about that, except... For the very last page where – so you know I can go along with the everything's new now. Don't worry about what these people in the past. Except at the very end, Tom Judge meets someone and suddenly he remembers the past. Mm-hmm. So therefore, his past is now going to play a role on this new continuity continuity, and this new universe, let's say. Mm-hmm. And, or the uh, continuity. 
Uh, the continuity, sure. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to my world, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for that disease. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and I'm hoping it doesn't play in because I don't want them to dredge the old universe where I don't have all that that knowledge like Paul does and bring into the new 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 universe where I was hoping to start kind of fresh. Right. Uh, so I'm. Again, I was with you until suddenly, oh, I remember my past at the last page. But I don't know that he remembers. I think he's just getting glimpses. I don't know that. And and you know, I'm sure I, we're trying to draw a whole lot off of a, a double-page spread. But, uh, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, he just has an inkling that something's going on. That that I would be that that would be much better, I yeah. think. I'm, I'm worried, though, that they're going to go. Uh, deeper into it, but I'm hoping you're right. And I, and I don't want to. I don't want to continue beating the horse, but no, uh, no. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. But God, that double page spread at the end of the book is just gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, the uh, the the far right side of the page where you've got the little darkness creatures. Yeah, you know those are that they're you know erupting forth from uh, the darkness. I just I love those guys. Well, and you know, it, not to you know to Andrew's point, my hope. And I hope they won't let me down. <clears throat> My hope isn't that in 13 issues we're going to reboot back to the original Darkness un- or uh, Top Cow universe. Right. That would you know, be. I, I hope that's not what they're setting up for because I like the new Top Cow universe. Mm-hmm. I like the changes that have been made. I think they're all interesting. You know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the, the the current run of Witchblade, but you know, I I loved this book and I'm looking forward to what uh, you know what's coming up on the Darkness. And, you know, the fact that – I mean, Tom Judge, I think, is an awesome character. I've always thought he was an awesome character. I like the concept of you've essentially got this X-Files-type book mm-hmm. starring this priest who works for the FBI. I mean, how cool is that? Well, you know, I, what I find interesting about uh, Artifacts and the new Top Cow universe, what I like about it is exactly what I dislike about the new 52. You know, I don't like that I'm having to be reintroduced to characters that I've known for decades over in the New 52. But because I don't know these guys over in Top Cow, I don't mind being re- reintroduced to them because I wasn't around for the first introduction. So, uh, true. I, I I can see the other side of it on the artifacts thing because I'm digging this. You know, the the artifact the Top Cow reboot is exactly for me, whereas the New 52 reboot was not. So, have you guys seen the trailer for the new Darkness video game? I, I have not. not. Yes. It looks so awesome. I never played the first one, but I know Paul did. And just watching the trailer of it get and after having read, you know, this book, it just, you know, really excited about it. I plan on picking it up. I won't pick it up when it's new because I don't pick up any video games when they're new anymore. But if it uh I'm kinda curious if it'll just follow the the story of the first video game, if it'll follow the comics at all. But yeah. It's. I've never really had that much interest in the darkness, but this reboot and that video game has really piqued my interest in the character. What I really yeah. like about the artifacts title is you can get all of your top cow characters in one book. Yeah, and you know you get a different take on them. Yeah, I, I gotta say, as much as I love Phil Hester's run on the darkness, which is just oh. about to come to an end, damn, Ron Mars writes a good darkness, a yeah. good Jackie Estacado. You know, the the way he writes that character is just so well done. Yeah. No, I'm digging it. Yeah, so I'm 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 on board. Sign me up. Yeah, I think it's an excellent book. Agreed. Done. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have anything interesting coming out next week, Aaron? You know, I, the only thing I looked at is I looked at Boom, and Boom's got uh, Jack. I think they got like a book coming out next week, and I don't think it's anything I read. 
Well, you know, if there's nothing good coming out in the stores, and even if there is, the most interesting comic book you can be listening to right now is the last issue of Knights of Rainsboro. Not the last issue, just the or, end of this first story. The arc. end of the first arc, yeah. Issue 13 released, and uh, uh, I, 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 can ban- Bon Jovi be saved? I mean, that's the question you've got to ask. Can Bon Jovi be saved? Let's hope not. You know, I, issue I, I, thirteen, a hair trigger will bleed. <laughs> you know, I put the uh, I put the Bon Jovi in the show notes, you know, because he's you know in part of that episode, and uh, we have gotten a gazillion hits on people chasing the Bon Jovi link. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know why I didn't think about this before. I'm going to put Bon Jovi on everything now. <laughs> That is the power of of heroes crossing over and guest starring in different different episodes. You know what? Uh, Season three of Knights of Rainsboro is going to guest star Robert Pattinson. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Season three. And Getty Lee from Rush. (laughs) I had some some doubts, Aaron, but I should have kept the faith. You should have. You should have. Yeah, Billy Joel wasn't bringing in the wasn't bringing in the hits, but you throw Bon Jovi out there. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah, it was a blaze of glory. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well go listen to it now at ideologyofmadness.com and uh, we'll be back here next week for more funny books goodness Woot. bye everybody see ya podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com funny books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com no Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast